mine. And then we come down here and I'm like. <laughs> well, case cracked. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kitty and cat. What? What was it? I said kitty cats. Bad news for me. Definitely so. Welcome to Hip and Humble. I'm Aram. And I'm Mom. Allergic to cats. Definitely allergic to cats. And we talk about all things antique and collectibles. Before we get started, we definitely want to thank our sponsors, Hip and Humble Antiques, LLC, with two locations. We have one uh, just outside of Oklahoma City in Bethany, Oklahoma at Rink Gallery. And we have one in downtown Fredericksburg, Virginia at Oldies But Goodies. And if you are not local and you don't feel like driving, then you can definitely check out our Etsy store, Hip and Humble Antiques on Etsy. Also, we are supported by <sighs> WGNDB Going Solo Network. Thank you guys so much for supporting us and thank all of you who are listening through the network. Thank you. We are happy to have you here. And I like the going solo. We did we did a live cast last week. Yes, we did. That was a lot of fun. Awesome. Fun. It was so cool. I love meeting all the different people. Yeah. That, you know, have the different shows and stuff. There's some really great shows on the going solo. There really are. The creators there, they're they're fantastic people. I mean, just just meeting them in those settings and talking about we the last uh, live show that we did, we talked about what uh, we what, were thankful for. Exactly. And and just uh, the perspectives and everything that all of those people had. They're just Really genuine, really nice people. Yeah. So if you get a chance, make sure you check some of them out after you listen to us. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm prejudiced. Yeah. Also, if you really like listening to us, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash hip and humble. Uh, as soon as we get some subscribers on there, we will start putting out some really cool special promo things for you guys and all that good stuff. Well, for those of you that follow us on, on our Instagram, you are starting our Instagram is hipin.humble, by the way. Just doing a little plug. <laughs> um, for those of you that follow us on Instagram, uh, and those of you that don't, please follow us. <laughs> <laughs> you are starting to get a very clear picture that I absolutely love Christmas. I love this time of year. I love the excuse to spend time with family and friends. I love that everyone seems a little friendlier and a little less likely to shoo you away or give you an awkward stare when you try to issue them some kind words. Christmas is just, it's just plain fun. And as I'm sure you have guessed and many of you know, there's a ton of incredible things throughout history that have grown through and changed along with this wonderful holiday. Today, we're going to kick it off by talking about the little extra bits that make your Christmas tree your own ornaments. Yes, my favorite ornaments. Mm -hmm. But Christmas ornaments really are a great treat, and they really are just a trip down memory lane. Yeah. So they literally, though, they started out as treats. Um, To talk about ornaments without mentioning trees, however, would be misleading. Christmas trees were not always called Christmas trees, and their origin is a colorful and insightful one. There are many legends surrounding Christmas, and seemingly all cultures have origins for their own traditions. So nowadays, trees and ornaments are a global phenomenon and a pillar for collection all around the globe. The modern, decadent Christmas displays are a far cry from their humble roots. Yeah, and where did Christmas ornaments originate? Germany. Yep, not Egypt. Not 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 China. <laughs> and not China. Only thing I know of that did not originate in China. <laughs> at least at least for now. At least for now. Yes. Yeah, so Although I'm... the fireworks right after New Year's or for New Year's 
China. Definitely. Which we're not trash in China, by the way. No, China's awesome. Yeah. Uh, You've really made some fun things. Thank uh, you for spaghetti. Absolutely. But yeah, uh, so Christmas ornaments originated around the 16th century in Germany. So they started decorating their homes with their evergreen boughs during the winter solstice dates as far back as ancient Egypt. So technically, Egypt did start it. But they didn't start the ornaments. Well, you also got to, just as a side note, kind of wonder, you're decorating the with the boughs and stuff. Uh-huh. What about Passover? That is true. I mean, isn't that a little little echo of Passover? It is kind of. It is kind of. Although... In the Egyptian culture, Passover, Passover does not fall over winter, winter solstice. I know. I just yeah. said it's like an echo. It, that's a good word for it. That's a good word for it. But uh, back then, the evergreen trees, they gave hope of life during very long winter months. And they were prevalent in, ver- in various pagan rituals, including those of the Druids, the Romans, and the Vikings. The Christmas tree was actually it, it what that that term wasn't coined until much later, much past the 16th century. Trees back then in the 16th century they were decorated with candies, apples, nuts, and berries, and they were called paradise trees. Why were they called paradise trees, Mom? I don't know. Could could that be like Eden? Eden. That's right. That's exactly right. Paradise trees represented the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Bible, which is why they were first decorated with apples. Mm-hmm. Legend actually okay. has it that Martin Luther, the gentleman who wrote the 95 Thesis, he was a German, uh, German born. He was the first to decorate his tree with candles. He was apparently inspired to do so when he saw the stars twinkling through the evergreen trees. Okay. I got to wonder though. Mm-hmm. You know, candles on literally on a tree. Yeah, that how many that, trees? That poised a serious problem in my head too. <laughs> it was like how many trees? I mean, okay, because back then people would build their homes, and so you would have your main home, which would be, I guess, kind of what we would consider the living room, bedroom, right area. They built their kitchens in a separate building because of fire hazard. Yes. So, bringing, well, at least those could, those that could afford to build a second building. Well, they had to eat somewhere. Yeah. But so if you are building your kitchen, your where you cook your food over fire in a separate building because of a it being a fire hazard, bringing in a tree that is probably drying out and sticking it's candles on it. That's definitely drying out. Kind of seems not right. Yeah, yeah, you gotta wonder, but uh, don't do that. Yeah, nowadays uh, that is very. I mean, back then it was unsafe, and nowadays it's still unsafe. <laughs> there's that. no, there's no. It's unfe all the way around. I was say, I think the safety is just still unsafe. Period. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it is unsafe no matter what time period it is in. Yeah, but I gotta say, if you got those candles on the tree, I bet that that was gorgeous. I can't, I can't even imagine how pretty it was. I mean, I really, I bet had to have been absolutely just, breathtaking. Yeah, and especially with the scent of the pine and then the candles, mm-hmm. it, you know that that really. Oh yeah. Well, so side note here, Catherine and I, we got our tree last weekend, and we got uh, so ever since I got married to Catherine, she's been making me get. Real trees. So my younger brother, my middle brother, he's allergic to trees and uh, pretty much everything. And so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's true, you know. 
And because yeah, of the- I got a whole thing I could say about that as far as what you do, well, what you do whenever you have a baby, what the doctors tell you to do to help alleviate allergies. <laughs> that's all. That's all. That's a long story. That's yeah, a- it's a long one, but <laughs> long just one. suffice to say, didn't work. No, but anyways, so I've always grown up with synthetic trees, which are beautiful and they're great, and it's you know they're a lot easier to hang ornaments on, and they became popular in the late. They don't night. shed. Yeah, they don't shed. That is that is one thing that I. I'm not not happy with dealing with. No, you're not thrilled with the shedding. <laughs> not thrilled with the shedding. Wow. Really not. Who'd have thunk? I know, right? Yeah. Uh, but I will say the smell of the evergreen in the house is overpowering. It is very, like, you know, it's nice to walk in the house and just smell winter. Well, we had real trees when I was a kid mm-hmm. until we had my brother. Ah. And then kind of the same thing. Yeah. Allergies. And so that was the end of that. But that is one thing I do remember is being able to come home and you could smell the smell the tree in the house and it just smelled like Christmas. And I know you can burn candles that smell like that, but it's, it's just not the same. It's a little different. It really is. I mean, there are some great candles out there. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, but it's, you know, the, the real thing, though. The real thing is different. It just is. It just hits different. It's kind of like when your mother gives you sugar-free chocolate. It looks like it. It has the same texture, <laughs> but it's not chocolate. And it's basically a laxative. But that's another story. Oh, Be my nice. goodness. But, yeah, not uh, good. So another thing that they used to put on trees back then and that a lot of people still do is tinsel. Although mm-hmm. back then, what was tinsel made out of? Silver. Real silver. Boy, wouldn't you like to get your hands on that? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Especially <laughs> with the price of silver nowadays. Do you know, that had to be very hard to make. I mean, you know, to cut it that thin. I, I would imagine that would have that You know, it cut really it that thin in my head. You know, I'm judging it against what we see now. So right. maybe it was thicker. Maybe it was stamped. Oh, wouldn't that be pretty? That would be gorgeous. That would have really be pretty. stamped tinsel. Yeah. Oh. That would be pretty. Tinsel. I don't know why Tins- I, I, don't yeah. know I, I knew what it you that meant. <laughs> but boy, wouldn't that be pretty. I wonder, if, can you buy tinsel? You can buy tinsel. That would be a really fun family activity. To to Or to make tinsel out of silver or? Well, I mean, well, no, we can't afford that. Sorry no. about that. <laughs> but if we got like tinsel, like uh-huh. some kind of thin metal or something. Right. And then you Oh, could, like, like tin. That'd be cool. Yeah. Then you could make, you know, put a design in it. Right. That's what I had my kids do Thanksgiving because even though my kids are grown, we have, I have a pie safe. And so I had each of them take a piece of metal and I had them punch in their own design. It was really fun. It was, it, yeah. it, it was a really a, lot, a good time. Everybody had a great time doing it. Well, and it's something I can keep and go, yeah. oh, look at that. My, my family did this. Yeah. It's super nice. Also, guys, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not able to spend time with your families this holiday season, we really feel for you. And, you know, we're, we're very fortunate to be close enough to one another, uh, that, that we were able to spend this time together and, you know, just reaching out and, and saying to you guys, we're, especially in this season of life, we're just really, you know, uh, sending lots of love and prayers you guys' way to, to really, because I understand it is a hard time. Well, and this will be really our last, you know, family, family Christmas for a while because right. my, my youngest is moving to Alaska. Yes. He decided he really didn't like us. Well, he, <laughs> he really didn't like Virginia, especially after he got one of his tax bills. And he's like, uh, I'm out of here. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Virginia people in authority. Come on with the taxes already. This is not England. No. Well, the, the problem is it's not technically a state. It's a commonwealth. Oh, well. 
<laughs> well, it's only a commonwealth when it's convenient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's a state. Yeah, they do have state troopers. How does that work? Weird. No. Weird. They should be commonwealth. Mm, that is that is a good point. <laughs> I don't know. But the decorating de- decorating of the trees and the putting up of the trees, of course, originated in Germany. But the tradition was adopted by Christians at that time, and it began to spread throughout Europe. That's why they started putting the apples on it because they used it as a representation of the knowledge of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there are two legends when it comes to the creation of glass ornaments. So some say the first glass ornaments were created by a glass blower named Hans Greener in the 16th century. He couldn't afford apples to decorate his tree, so he decided to make his own. And other people liked what he saw and began to order their own glass fruit. The other legend says that Hans Greener made his glass apples in 1847 and not in the 19th – sorry, not in the 16th There's, there's quite a bit of difference there. There's a big difference, yeah. Um, I don't think there, I, I'm not sure that there, I didn't find any birth records or genealogy for, uh, dear, our dear Han, so. Well, one of them's gotta be wrong, cause, you know. <laughs> You're right. One of them, well, they could both be wrong, cause they're legends, so. They could be. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But, but fruit has always been a big thing yes, with Christmas. Absolutely. My, um, my mom and I watched a documentary on English Christmases. Did you know? Um, the other day. And it was, um, oh, I think it was on Netflix or something. Mm-hmm. But it was, um, you know, how the English celebrated their their Christmas back in, I don't know, 15th, 16th century. Well, how and, did you uh, pass the 16th? Yeah. Well, it was really pretty interesting, though. Um you know, I mean, they worked really hard just for Christmas, but there was a, you know, fruit was a big treat. Right. So you got, um, if you got an orange uh-huh. in your stocking or for Christmas, that was big time. And they only ate one orange per year. Oh, wow. So, which I still remember my grandmother, um, would get oranges and put in stockings. Really? So even, you know, even up until, oh, when did Mima, um, pass? I, well, when I was a kid, yeah. so 70s, huh. 80s, I remember we get these oranges, which I don't like oranges. So yeah, I'd be like, I'm why do I have these oranges in my stocking? You know, <laughs> but, where's uh, the chocolate? <laughs> but those are, those, those would have been, those would have been super rare back then. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which I guess in her, you know, she was born in 1907. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that oranges were not. Yeah, well, they didn't grow in Oklahoma. Well, that, the, so if this, if the second legend is, is true, then she was really only about 30 years off from the first time they started making ornaments. No, I can see that. If the, if the second legend is true. Well, I can see that. I, I don't even know really if they even celebrated Christmas. I don't remember her ever talking about Christmas or anything when she was growing up. Hmm. But, you know, she's, she's a Cherokee and she was born out in the Indian Territory. Um, and they they've kind of got their own yeah. customs, I guess. Well, I, ma- but, I uh, imagine. Uh, so as 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 we as we'll learn later. So the German immigrants actually they brought the practice of celebrating Christ- Christmas uh, with Christmas trees and ornaments into the America in the 18th and 19th centuries. So right around the time that she would have been there, and right. uh, the German in- immigrants came obviously everybody that immigrated immigrated starting on the east coast so i'm right. sure it took them time to get through to the middle of the country well and there was no money right i mean you know her family came over on the trail of tears the one th- there's many trail of tears in case anybody need you know no, needs to know yes and came over through tennessee and down from uh, virginia north carolina and down that way 
but they they had nothing. I mean, my grandma she picked cotton. That yeah. was what she did. She picked cotton, and and boy, let me tell you what, she had the skin cancer to prove it later. Yeah. So, folks, if you're outside and you got a job outside, sunscreen and a hat. Quick plug too, guys. If you guys are looking for another history podcast, check out the Dickheads of History. Sorry for the language. That's not nice. I know, but it is, it is a but it's a great uh, history podcast. They talk a lot about the infamous people in history, and I think soon mm-hmm. they will actually be doing an episode on the Trail of Tears. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just grew up with the family story stuff. Yeah. But you know, I I can't imagine being as poor as what they were, and you know, to me. Her life just absolutely is fascinating to me that, you know, here she is born in Indian territory to, you know, basically, you know, they lived in shacks, like literally shacks. Yeah. And picking cotton and sharecropping. And she married my, when she married my grandfather, her parents basically disowned her. And, uh, Uh well, because he was was was, white. Yeah. Well, I mean, and those those are hugely different times back then. And, you know, I I can't, like you're saying, I'm not sure if they they really did even celebrate Christmas or so on. But I know that uh, the Christmas ornaments actually stayed in Europe until the 1770s. So they didn't actually come over here until the 18th century. Well, I doubt she ever had any of those. I very much doubt that she did. But, you know, being born when you're, like, walking or riding a horse... Versus when she died in the 90s. Yeah. And all that technology and advancement in that, that you know, almost 100 years. Yeah. The the difference in technology from the beginning of the 1900s to the 1990s, seeing all that change. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> I mean, just, you, just the change that I've seen in my short, my short life, you know, going from the, you know, the, the, the brick telephones the brick cell phones <laughs> to a literal computer in our hands. If you guys have chance to talk to someone um, in their nineties and up, do it. Definitely, because do it. The, you you will learn a lot. It's an amazing conversation. Yep. Every a lot time. of people write write older people off, and what you know is oh well they don't know and all that, and it's like you know what they know more than you do. Yeah, they are incredibly intelligent people. The stories are incredible. Oh yeah, uh, it just the. It's always fun to hear somebody that saw it or did it firsthand. Yeah, yeah. So even just being around it, you know, oh, yeah. I think uh, you know it, the people that were not that are not living through what we're living through currently. You know, the people that will that'll be born after this to hear uh, us tell this story firsthand is going to be different than than living through it. Well, yeah, because we read about the plague and all that. That well, you know what? Even measles and polio outbreaks. My uncle had polio. Yeah, and that was that was massive. Yeah, and uh, yeah, uh, you know we we've lived through we've lived through a lot of plagues and diseases before, and no, it's not pretty. And many people died. And and my uncle, who's how old is Lonnie? He is ninety three. Ninety three, um, which is just a miracle for anyone that had polio. Um, at ever he still gets calls from the uh the polio. I think it's associate. I don't know the name. Foundation. Of it. Well, they followed him. It's yeah. some kind of medical thing that yeah. that's followed him because you know he had polio in his age. But anyway, just to you know, see. But seeing him, I guess for me anyway, I've had some live, exa- you know, real life examples of you know we'll we'll make it through. Yes, it, it's we'll you know. Unfortunately, we're going to lose folks along the way. And, but there's nothing you can do about that. Sadly not. So, but I think we'll, we'll, 
do what we always do. We evolve. We move on. And move on. We're yeah. stronger for it. You know, the people the people that have left wouldn't want us to stop living our lives. No. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, there's always a time to mourn. But at the same time, you know, we, we have to move on. We have to keep living life. Yep. But anyways, guys, more on Christmas ornaments and trees when we come back. Hi, my name is Kaylin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Tea Time Thoughts. Do you ever wish you could learn more about history, books, music, art, and culture, but you just don't know where to start? I totally feel your pain. Learning about all these things can be so overwhelming. Well, I want to change all of that for you. In my podcast, Tea Time Thoughts, I'll show you just how fun it all can be. In the time it takes to have a cup of tea, I'm going to teach you everything from the French Revolution to the Black Plague, Mozart to Broadway musicals, Da Vinci to Robert Frost, Ancient Egypt to Queen Elizabeth II, and more. You can stream Tea Time Thoughts wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So what are you waiting for? Put the kettle on and listen to Tea Time Thoughts today. Welcome back. Welcome back to Hip and Humble. I'm still Aram. And I'm still Mom. And we are still talking about Christmas ornaments. We are. We're not going to talk about any sad stuff anymore. No, no more sad stuff. Christmas ornaments, yeah. Are happy. Happy, happy, happy things. And before we get, uh, before we go on, we wanted to mention our sponsors again, Hip and Humble Antiques LLC. If you guys aren't following us on Instagram, please do. Hip in dot humble. That's H-I-P-N dot humble. Uh, we post everything on there, pictures, updates, everything for the store and for the podcast. Um, we're always looking, or I'm always interacting with anybody that is on there. I check it every day. I'm the one that uh, responds to your comments. So if you want to talk to me, or you want us to talk about something, you want to suggest it, please do at any time on any of our posts. And I will always, always respond and uh, take your suggestions and look them up. Well, see, he's looking at me because he knows I, I stay off the computer as much as humanly possible. <laughs> no, I'm just looking at you because I'm talking. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's not. He's looking at me with like, you should be on this. No, you should be I'm doing not. This. No, I'm not. My smile's from ear to ear. I wouldn't be doing that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> also, if you guys really like what we're doing, please check out, uh, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash hip and humble. Um, if we get some subscribers on there, for those of you that support us, we're going to start putting some really cool content, videos, and things like that on there. Also, uh, we'll put up deals for our antiques and things like that that we are not, that we haven't put out on the store or on Etsy yet. It's lots of cool stuff. Also, we wanted to thank the w, WGNDB Going Solo Network. You get your tongue twisted all the time. I don't know why. I don't either. WGNDB Going Solo Network. Thank you guys so much for being here. We love having you on. If you're just joining us, check out the first half of this episode. Uh, the next, uh, the <laughs> check out the first half of this episode next week, or check out uh, Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you get podcasts, we are also on there, and we love having you guys here. And Aram's going to try and talk with his whole mouth now. Yes, now I'm going to try to talk correctly. Well, at least clearly. Yes, clearly. Yeah. Clearly is always good. I would think so. Yes. So we had just left off with the German immigrants bringing the practice of Christmas trees for, to, to America in the 18th and 19th century. So originally the practice was actually rejected the, by a lot of the puritanical religious groups in the U.S. because of its historically pagan connotations. Even though the Christians in Europe had adopted it, it wasn't. It was. It was still seen as as pagan because of its pagan roots. 
In the 1840s, though, well, we, but I got to say before that, mm-hmm. when they did come over, I'm, some of the just little Christmas tidbits that I pick up along the way and are completely random. Um, the Moravians, which was uh, part of the Puritans, um, the Amish Moravians, uh, you can kind of go back and see how all of those are kind of linked together. But they have a Moravian star, which that's what that is over there. Oh, that's fantastic. And the star, uh, it's a very neat star because it has 24 points on it. Or no, I'm sorry. Jesus was 34. 34. 33. 33. So 33 points on it. And each of the points represents one year of Christ's life. Oh, wow. And, you know, kind of go through that. But that was something that they had at Christmas. So that was a decoration that they would put out because it was created to celebrate Christ 33 years on life on the planet. Well, there you go. So just, I thought, I always think they're interesting. That is really neat. There are so many cool, interesting facts about Christmas. That that was back in the 1700s. Okay. Yeah. Back to the 1800s and 1840, Queen Victoria and her German born husband, Prince Albert, they actually published a painting of their family celebrating Christmas around a Christmas tree. Quickly, quickly following this example, rich families in the U.S. began adopting the practice, and local businesses very quickly rushed to exploit the practice's commercial potential. Shocker. Yes. Yeah. Wow, I'm so shocked. Yeah, because oddly enough, small glass balls are actually pretty easy to manufacture. And so, huh. who did that? Yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, by the 1890s, department stores were reporting the reporting profits in the tens of millions, mm-hmm. and they were also just so you know, lead glass. Yes, mercury. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you find if you find the oldest the oldest of the ornaments, they are toxic. Yep, they're mercury. Don't eat them. Def- definitely don't eat them. Don't lick them. Don't let your kids lick them. Well, and also if you happen to break them. Be very careful. Yes, you be know, very you careful. You do not want to cut your hand with these. So wear shoes whenever you whenever you're sweeping it up. Yep, vacuum. Yes, tape on the floor. Mm-hmm. Everything, the whole Something. nine yards. Yep. So the the time is seen to the evolution of ornaments, material, and design. Obviously, so like we talked about before, the older tinsel was made with real silver, and the ornaments that were the first made ornaments were hand blown. And they were made with lead, but the uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But as they evolved, the ornaments ended. Or the ornaments were also made with silk, wool, and wood, and they were becoming very ornate. There was a lot of different carvings, a lot of different paintings, and moving into the 20th century, well, it was another way that artists really could be free to express themselves. Absolutely, and it was. I mean, be, they could express themselves. But it was such a, a wonderful time of year. Right. So, I mean, people were really looking at these, you know, really little artistic creations. Well, it's the most wonderful time, time of the year. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it really was, though. And and the, the artists that work on these ornaments and the artists that worked on the ornaments that we're going to talk about towards the end really were – a spectacular, spectacularly creative, because it, 
each year they would come out with a new set, a new, a new line, like a new set of them. Actually, in, in 1973, Hallmark introduced their keepsake ornaments, officially establishing these little gems as collectible. So of course they, they create a limited supply of these every year and every year are unique. And they do that to ensure that they're, they remain valuable for a long time. And if Hallmark would really like, you know, if they wanted to like bring back, let's say the little tiny miniature ornaments, I would really appreciate it. Those are great. Yep. They are great. They are. They quit making them. And I do have an original Hallmark tree that my mother gave me in 1988 when I went to college. Huh, there you go. Yep. It's, it's holding, it's barely holding on. Hey, it, it made it. <laughs> it, it. It's looking pretty sad. It's it's almost like the Snoopy tree, but... It's making it, though. Yep, I still use it. So, obviously, in moving into the 20th century, the German ornaments were completely the only ornaments that were shipped into the U.S. Because all of the ornaments were made in Germany. But by well, the... Well, but kind of what made them different after they you know, came over here was they were made in Germany, but they were painted in the U.S. That's right. So then they could put made in the USA on them. Right. Well, and, but what I was going to say is towards the 1920s, whenever everything started to become very commercially successful, the German ornaments had to compete with with Japanese and the Eastern uh, European mass, producti- mass production states. So... The, some of the best and most famous ornaments were shiny brights. My favorite. Shiny brights. They're awesome. They are. They're the most famous and collectible German ornaments in our humble opinion. Yes. <laughs> and I really like them. I, I think that they're, they really are beautiful. Absolutely. And I will say I had shiny brights at the store mm-hmm. and I had the um, curator for Gary Mulcher um, Museum. Yeah. So he is, he was an artist here in Fredericksburg. I don't even know what year, um, 17, 1800, probably 1800s, I would think. Yeah. Has a home here in Fredericksburg and, uh, and a wonderful museum. And it's actually where the Fredericksburg Visitor Center is. But if you have a chance, definitely go through the house and oh, it's the museum. Beautiful. It's beautiful. The property is, is beautiful. But apparently some of the worker bees had broke some of the ornaments. So some of our ornaments are now on display at Gary Mulcher's museum. Oh, wow. No, But it was interesting because she was very, they, she wanted very specific colors. Interesting. Yep. Because, you know, they would make different colors depending on the year. I mean, you're not going to have all the same color. So she wanted very specific, different blue ones. Huh. So I was happy to provide those for her. And, and I am. I, just, I was like, that's just really cool. That, that is, that, that makes me giddy. Know. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. That well, and I, I like that they're in a museum. I think you know, that that's the right place for them. People can really enjoy them and kind of just, you know, see them as they were. Because his house mm-hmm. is, you know, as as much as it can be. As much as it can be, of you course. You know, as when he was alive. So it, it's kind of neat. Definitely. A little neat. walk in time there. Yeah. Before the 1900s in, uh, in the Shiny Brights history, so all of the handmade glass ornaments were made in, Ger- in Germany and imported, and imported from there. But after the, the the commercial success, like we said, the Eastern manufacturing giants definitely threw their hat into the mix. But the German companies still produced some of the best quality ornaments. And Poland. And Poland, yes. In the 1940s and the 1950s, the shiny brights were the most popular ornaments in the U.S. Yes. Uh, so shiny bright actually started my, um, with a gentleman named Max Eckert. 
He established, and I am butchering that last name, I, I'm sure, because it's German. So it's probably. Sorry about that. I apologize. Very sorry. Very, very sorry. But he was from Oberlin, Germany. 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 Just, <laughs> just 20 miles away from Lausche, a hub for glass ornament makers. He first trained in the toy industry. In 1926, though, he officially entered the ornament business with his brother Ernst, and they opened the factory there in Oberland, where his relatives and employees hand-decorated the glass balls. His company also had an office in New York City, and um, which he later became a part of the International Toy Center, and Max immigrated to New York City in the late 1920s. Just a little side note here. If you see shiny bright ornaments, um, they were named shiny bright because they're shiny and bright. But a lot of these ornaments that they're talking about here where they painted the glass balls, mm-hmm. those are not shiny bright. Right. They were glass balls that they would paint. So most of the time you'll see them with just a stripe around them or a couple stripes around them. Those are shiny bright, but they are some of the earliest shiny brights that came yes. over. Yes. So a lot of people I've had at the shop, they come and go, these aren't shiny brights. And it's like, actually, these are shiny brights. And, and they're, they're the oldest. Very, very, a, a lot older than you know, these other ones over here. Yes. So incredibly valuable, incredibly collectible and very pretty, very pretty, very pretty because they they are, they're hand painted. Well, they are. I mean, they don't have the shiny on them. Like, you know, some like the other ornaments or the more newer ornaments that came later on, but they are very nice, very pretty in their own right. Yeah. And oddly enough, I mean, shiny bright ornaments are very beautiful and very collectible, but because of this, like, like a lot of other collectible things, uh, valuable collectibles. There are many counterfeits. And nowadays there are reproductions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the dating of the ornaments is actually interesting. So it's often facilitated by studying the hook. The first shiny bright ornaments had their traditional metal cap and loop. And if you guys know, don't know what that looks like, the, the ornaments, I'm sure you know what the, the bald ornaments look like. They kind of have a little stem at the top. And the, they have this, they had this metal kind of like drape, I would, I would call it. Yeah, kind of a little. I mean, it's it was kind of a piece of a, yeah, kind of a piece of tin. It, well, that, that yeah, fit piece over of tin top. that fit over top. But one thing, just to just to note about the top, if you have, if you see the shiny bright, and of course it comes up to that little part where they blow it, um, the ones that were hand blown, those are not necessarily straight. No, so they're kind of jagged. Now the ones that, you know, they, that are reproductions or produced today, they're cut straight off because right. they came out of a machine. Mm-hmm. So the tops of the shiny brights that were hand blown, they're not going to be perfect balls. Right. Because, you know, they're handmade. And they're, and they're handmade. But they they're, would have, they, yes. they would kind of have like a, a, a metal um, skirt kind of around it with a little hook on it. And some of the really old ones, um, and you don't find it very often, They'll have like a string that kind of goes down through it, and then you would pull that string up, and that's how you would hang your ball. Right, and they were actually designed that way, and that's what makes them so prolific. They were designed that way so that they could take up a lot of space in trees that didn't have a lot of space. But as the industry progressed and plastic became popular, they they definitely decreased in popularity because then they had synthetic trees where they didn't need to fill as much space. And, you know, kids could not destroy them. Right. And get cut and, you know, mercury poisoning. That's that's definitely uh, that's definitely a plus side to plastic. 
Well, yeah. Yeah. Plastic's still not as pretty. It's not. It's not. So the first shiny bright uh, ornaments had their traditional metal cap in the, and loop with the hook attached to the loop from which the ornament was hung from the tree. The wartime production, though, necessitated because they were manufacturing over the First and Second World Wars. They, their world wartime production necessitated the replacement of the metal cap because they couldn't the use of metal in manufacturing for non-essential items or basically non-war items was not allowed at that time. Right. And so they had to re- replace the metal cap with a cardboard tab. And so there's a lot of these still out, but the cardboard tabs obviously are, are they're, they, they, they're disintegrated. they disintegrate. Yeah. And so that, and that, that's another good point. If you are looking for shiny brights and, and you know, they'll look at the, look at the, the little tab on the top, and they're like, oh, that's a new tab. And, yeah, it might be a new tab because cardboard doesn't last very long. Card, yeah, it does So people would put a new tab into an old ornament. Exactly. So, so you, there's you really, I think, really have to look at the neck of that ornament. Yeah, I definitely have to look at the see. neck to, to really determine the, the age of it. And the colors and, and mm-hmm. whatnot. So, so they replaced the, the metal cap with the cardboard, which obviously didn't last that long. But the um and those were the ones where the owner would use yarn or string to hang the, hang the ornament ornament instead of the little metal hooks. So the hangers firmly placed the date of manufacturing of these ornaments into the early 1940s. After the war, they introduced a line of ornaments with the newly designed metal hook, and that provided the user with two links of the hanger. The long hook traveled to the center of the ornament and exited the bottom where it attached to the foot of the ornament, and this provided the short hanger unlatched from the bottom. The entire length of the hook was available, allowing the ornament to dangle in a greater distance from the tree limb to which it was attached, like we said, so that it would allow it to fill the sparsely limbed areas of a tree. So after all of this time um, manufacturing over in Germany, he sought the help of the New York City's Corning Glass Company to manufacture the ornaments. So essentially, after the after the wars, the... Ornaments were German designed and actually American made. Yep. So like Corningware. Corningware. That's exactly right. And by 1940, Corning was producing 300,000 unadorned ornaments per day. Yep. They were sending the clear glass balls to outside artists, including those at um, Max's factory there in New Jersey for decoration. So he still had everyone hand painting these ornaments. Mm-hmm. And. They finally packaged them in brown cardboard boxes, and at first they were very strictly silver, but eventually he produced red, green, gold, pink, and blue ornaments. I love the pink, personally. I like the green, but green's my favorite color. I like the pink and the blue. Blue is very pretty as well. I like them all. Yes. Oh, and after, so originally it was also just the bowl, the, excuse me, the ball, but Corning also began offering a, ver- a variety of shapes, including tops, bells, icicles, teardrops, trees, lanterns, and pine cones. Yep. So also during World War II, one of the things that, um, that, that changed, you know, one of the reasons, like we said, that shiny brights are shiny brights is because they use a certain type of lacquer to make themselves shiny. But during World War II, the lacquer paint and the silver lining became very scarce, and they instead they made clear ornaments with thin pastel stripes. Yep. They didn't require as much pigment, and the metal caps and hooks were replaced with the cardboard, obviously. And sometimes they to to compensate, they would kind of put a tiny sprig of tinsel inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So I will say that the the orna- the other ornaments. Um, not the balls. I mean, the balls are collectible, 
but um, but their specialty things, the bells and the teardrops and trees and lanterns, pine cones, mm-hmm. um, and even there there were some that uh, were. Um, uh, I think we've got like a clown that was my that was your great grandmother's. Yeah, it's I don't know if it's a clown or it's some kind of little person, um, but she had some really kind of different ones I hadn't seen before. And they have they have the concave. You've got kind of the ones that are all whole. But yeah. then they also have kind of a concave um section usually right in the middle um particularly of of kind of the round ones and um the uh I've seen some of kind of the teardrop or the top ones will yeah. have that kind of concave in there but those are kind of the more you know specialty type ornaments right the ones that kind of really stand out and a lot of people collect them mm-hmm. so including well I don't really collect them but I have my husband's grandmother's ornaments, and so... And they're uh, very nice. They're very nice, yeah. Very nice ones. Yeah. And to end it off, we were to talk... Uh, so, Max uh, Max Eckert, he actually died in 1961, and pretty much right after his death, Shiny Bright's popularity really faded. And that was mostly like we were talking about early due to the popularization of plastic ornaments. And but in the '90s, Christopher Radko he revitalized shiny brights and began making all of the replicas we see nowadays. So there are some counterfeits, but there are legitimate re- replicas. And Radko actually, I mean, they make a lot of different ornaments and mm-hmm. stuff. So they they do make some really nice, and they do have um, collections. Mm-hmm. So different collections and stuff by year. And of course, a, a lot of companies do that now. Yep. But yeah, there's. I like shiny brights. Shiny brights are. They're fun, so I'm I'm always on the hunt for shiny brights. That's yeah, for sure. and we we do have a bunch of them. So if you're if you're wondering where you might can get some shiny brights, well, look no further than hip and humble. Absolutely. All right, and guys, that is it. We are out of time. And, and just know that I've loved on every one of them. Yes, we do love them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> we're ready for you to love them as well. Absolutely. And guys, thank you guys so much for joining us with this. Obviously, I'm super excited because it's Christmas. It's awesome. Yes. And we always have fun. So we hope we you do. guys have fun. And stay hip. And humble. All right. Bye. Bye.